Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Histories of the Unexpected, the show in which we demonstrate that everything, simply everything you could possibly think of, has its own history, like props, dreams and investigations. Now, Sam, investigations seem to be rumbling on at the moment, and I'm so frustrated. I'm just so eager to hear what's going to happen at number 10 Downing Street. And we are recording this on the 29th of January Uh, 2022. We should also think about doing the history of resignations and I think we should do the history of the colour red especially for Valentine's Day or we could do pliers, dryers and friars uh, liars, spires and friars. (laughs) Now that's two distinct (laughs) types of friars there Sam. There's the deep frat fat kind and then the religious order kind but this is to (laughs) digress as ever because what we will be doing and what we should be doing is following the links in our minds as we come across them explaining very carefully indeed how those histories link together in unexpected ways who knew for example who knew that the history of pajamas is in fact all about festive christmas family traditions yes you've guessed it it's matching family christmas pajamas it's also about the prehistory of the pajama in the 16th and 17th century it's about the diary of samuel pepys and the great fire of london and about robert louis stevenson and pilots in pajamas who knew or who knew that the history of dogs is in fact all about Tudor gifts and Anne Boleyn. It's about Henry VIII and sporting pastimes. It's about Mary Queen of Scots lapdog. It's about the dog tax in 1796 and the attempt to contain dogs in Edinburgh in 1738 in the face of a rabies outbreak. It's also all about the history of guide dogs via Herculaneum and Charles Dickens. And it's about personal histories and memories of beloved childhood pets as well as monstrous dogs, Titian and Rembrandt. Woof, woof. <laughs> woof woof indeed uh, of course these are from episodes in the past and if you don't know what we're talking about and you probably won't know what we're talking about do please go back and check out the uh, previous episodes in our back catalogue let me now introduce my fellow presenter let me say that if history was a staircase not just any staircase but an innovative spiral staircase unsupported unrivaled unprecedented then he would be the curving banister preventing those interested in the past from plummeting to their deaths, fracturing their skulls on the hard, heavy, unforgiving marble floor of the present. He is the protector of ascenders and ascendresses as they climb their lofty way to the cloudy peaks on the 12th floor of historical knowledge. He is Professor Extraordinaire of Early Modern British History at Plymouth University. It's James Daybell. Hey, James. Hello, Sam. And I have to admit at the outset that you have completely outdone me uh, this episode (laughs) because you may well be wondering who is that unattributed voice so ably helping Daybell 
co-pilot and walk up these stairs in this very episode. Well, let's just say that if he were a staircase-related historian, he'd only be the Inigo Jones of the staircase world. He of the amazing tulip staircase, wrongly named at the Queen's house in Greenwich. So visionary and talented is he in scaling the heights of the past. Yes, you've guessed it. It's the famous historical adventurer, Dr. Sam Willis. Hello, everyone. Um, Today we shall be doing staircases. Uh, But James, you having mentioned Valentine's Day makes me think we should just have a quick think about what we would do for Valentine's Day. We could also do, obviously, do the history of love, the history of roses, um, history of kissing. Would you like to do that? We've done the history of the kiss and we've done we've done love already. I was thinking Ah. arrows. (laughs) Very good. The history of Mm. arrows, Cupid's arrow. We could do the prehistory of the kiss before anyone had any lips. Yes, exactly, exactly. (laughs) Um, Something like that. I was thinking the colour red might be quite fun. Um, But also, before we go any further, I I was in a meeting this week with a brilliant colleague who I think is fantastic. And he was showing me this strategic diagram. And there was one column that had the label at the top of it, B. H-A-G. Now, I work in the world where acronyms grow on trees, but this was one I had no idea what it was, what it meant. B-H-A-G, Sam, stands for Big Hairy Audacious Goals. (laughs) (laughs) Very good. Which is, which I looked this up and it is a, it is defined as a clear and compelling target an organisation is going to strive for. And I was wondering what our big, hairy, audacious goals for histories of the unexpected should be, Sam. Ah, well, I think we should do uh, more emotions and I think we should do more abstract things. Um, I really enjoy doing episodes on things like um, uh, uncertainty or um, nonsense. Uh, the, the, the more abstract things, Ooh, I think, right up my street. That's what I'd like to see more of in 2022. I, I was going to suggest fleas. Ah, I've been wanting to do between. fleas for ages, ever since mm-hmm. I saw, ever since I went to the Pitt Rivers Museum in Oxford and saw a microscopic flea that had been painted I've wanted Mm. to talk about that ever since. And we've never Mm. done it, so I think we should do it. But we're going to be talking about staircases today. Now, I wanted to start with a with a sort of brainstorm of how we think about stairs, Sam, and how we how we can think about the history of stairs. We can start with different kinds of stairs, and you can think about the history of stairs from ancient temples and pyramids through medieval castles, grand stairs, hierarchy, social stairs, spiral stairs... Um, we can then think about the stairs in the Tudor and Stuart period, where we have the demarcation of privacy, statement stairs, such as we have at Hardwick Hall or the Queen's House in Greenwich by Inigo Jones, and I'm going to talk about that uh, in a little bit. We can have Victoria. We can think about the Victorian period, so upstairs, downstairs. So that's the sort of historical development of stairs. We can also think about different types of stairs. Stairs in different places, social hierarchies, spiral stairs, stairs up libraries, stairs to books. We can also link it to 
escalators and lifts. We can think also about the meanings of stairs. Stairs and hierarchy, social stairs. Think about medieval castles and those spiral stairs going up inside. Now, this is a this was thought that the fact that they were going up clockwise was actually to be an advantage for those who were defending the castle because they'd be able to you know, swing their swords in their right hands with no trouble at all. But this is apparently a complete red herring and it com- entirely invented in the Victorian period because sieges of castles are, as you know, Sam Willis, uh, it, quite rare. And actually, if you're fighting in the staircases, the game is pretty much up. So we can think about all sorts of different meanings. We can think about uses of stairs to demarcate boundaries. It can be about elevating people, practical versus ceremonial. We can think also about the materiality of stairs. Think about the wear and tear on the stair over time, which suggests use. Uh, So, for example, think about... You know, a worn stair in a Victorian house that might symbolise the footfall of a servant who is coming up from the bottom stair and is having to sort of completely be on the beck and call of the family. Think also about the back stairs, back stairs and servant stairs that separate the family and the public realm of the family and the household from the the private uh, part and, and the servants. Think about also communicating with stairs, calling upstairs and downstairs. Our 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 mornings are punctuated by sort of calling breakfast ready or are you ready yet? Have you got your shoes on? Have you done your teeth? All of that is up and down stairs. Think also about different things connected to stairs. So under the stairs, Harry Potter, you know, living under the stairs or the hall or the landing or the stairs themselves, what they're made of, stone, wooden, open, closed. Think also about the ornamentation of stairs. So banisters, spindles, design, function, ornamentation, consumption. Uh, I remember having a loft conversion done and our staircase being simply dropped in from above. It was built brought, lifted up by a a pulley system and then simply dropped into a hole in the house. So there's actually the fabrication of stairs. Think also about houses without stairs. Think about bungalows, which connects us, of course, to old age and access. You know, as you get older, the danger of falling downstairs, so the increased desirability of single-storey dwellings. Link this also to heritage and accessibility. And think about all of those National Trust properties on multiple levels and those old stairs and the inaccessible nature of heritage to particular visitors to those stately homes and I'll say a little bit more about that later on and then you can also think about staircases and literature or staircases and films think about horror films and throwing people down the stairs think about the foot upon the stairs and I end this with a little piece from the Hound of the Baskervilles Sir Arthur by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle and Sherlock Holmes saying now is the dramatic moment of fate Watson When you hear a step upon the stair which is walking into your life and you know not whether good or evil. What does Dr James Mortimer, the man of science, ask of Sherlock Holmes, the specialist in crime? Come in! So there we are, Sam, a little trot through the history of stairs.
<laughs> very good. All the different ways you can think about it, and every single one of them will have its own history. I, I was did a, a similar sort of thing, James, and thought about uh, and how I might get into it. Um, I was lucky enough to visit Buckingham Palace um, a few years ago, and um, there, there is that's a serious staircase, the grand staircase in Buckingham Palace. You should everyone Google it, have a look at it. And there are staircases in stately homes like that all over the country. And you think about how. Um, you know, whether it was a Victorian period or the Edwardian period, you can just imagine everyone lined up um, on top of the stairs. And I've always been interested in the way that uh, height is linked with status, something which you looked at there. Uh, I've also been doing some work on the Titanic recently, building a 3D model of that for the, um, uh, the Mariner's Mirror podcast. And the stairway on the Titanic is, was one of the key features of making that ship the most luxurious vessel that had ever been. They basically created a staircase that looked as if it had come out of a royal palace and put it on a ship. And you'll see that in the film. It's where Kate and Jack meet each other in the film. A very significant thing. And I think amongst the, 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 the really haunting images that have been recovered from the wreck is the images of the staircase. Um, you mentioned tax as well, James. You know, stairs were taxed. It um, rigs, reminds me of the window tax in the 17th century where the government was literally taxing people's access to light, which I think was quite un unfair. But in the 17th century Netherlands, um, they taxed the, uh, the stairs. And these were particularly, they were external stairs, they're not internal stairs. So um, those of you who, who could afford to have your front door raised up and not be on the ground level, that was a real demonstration of wealth. Um, but um, another example of the government taxing the ground you walk upon, James. Um, uh, shocking stuff. Um, I have always been interested in them. I, I've always had a bit of a soft spot for... Uh, spiral staircases and and the tulip stairs at the Queen's House is one of my favourites. Were you going to say something about that, James? I was going to say something about that, but I'm let's, quite happy do, for you. Do we to... do it together? You let's do it together. Do it together. Why don't oh. you start? Okay. Um, well, the Queen's House. If you've not been there, you should all go. It's where the art collection of the National Maritime Museum is kept on display. It's um, a, a kind of a centerpiece, like a bullseye of the whole development of Greenwich, where you've got a late 17th century palace and at the heart of it, in the middle of Greenwich Park, you have the Queen's House. Um, it was built, I suppose, in the grounds of what would have once been a Tudor palace uh, down by the River Placentia. Um, and uh, this Queen's House is built in the beginning of the 17th century, uh, it's for Anne of Denmark, um, who was the wife of King James. It was built by the architect Inigo Jones. Um, it's a truly fabulous thing, the staircase in this building. Um, it's, a, it's a wonderful Instagram spot. Uh, if you go, take a photo of it. But there's a, so something wonderfully historical about it, because the, the, the spiral staircase is... Um, it's a self-supporting spiral staircase. There is no central pillar. And that means that you can have a window at the top. And it means you can see all the way to the top. So the fact that it's such a brilliant Instagram spot now is all down to the genius of Inigo Jones, who had worked out, um, not on his own entirely, how to build a staircase without a central supporting pillar, which allows the light to come in. And it looks absolutely magnificent. What I like about it particularly, James, is there's the inspiration. So Inigo Jones, he'd recently come back from a grand tour in Europe. Um, he'd been studying Roman um, Renaissance and particularly Palladian architecture in Italy. Um, 
so that's uh, the uh, the Italian architect uh, Palladio, uh, fifteen oh eight to fifteen eighty. So he existed a generation before Inigo Jones. He was born in fifteen seventy three, and uh, one of the places he went to was Venice, and one of the places he went to in Venice was the Carita Monastery. And if you go to that place in Venice, you will find a prototype is the way to put it of the tulip stairs um in uh, in the queen's house in greenwich the german poet and statesman johann goethe went there toured italy himself on a grand tour in 1788 and he visited this monastery in venice and he said that the that a person never grows weary of going up and down such a stair and i entirely agree i have not seen the one in Venice. I would dearly love to. It's one of those wonderful um, Venetian buildings. It doesn't look like very much on the outside, but inside is completely mind-blowing. However, the stair in the Queen's house has taken the 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 engineering behind it, the self-supporting nature of it, where each stair is cantilevered from the external wall and, um, and has decorated it uh, beautifully and turned it into something which is... It's, it's a... It's a it could only have come from the 17th century, even though it was inspired by a different era and by a different location. So the thing I particularly like about uh, the tulip stair in Greenwich is the way that it transports you to Venice and to Italy from a generation before and also to centuries before where they'd mastered the art of spiral stair building. Oh, Sam Willis, that teased me up perfectly. Uh, I, was gonna, I was going to give some of that sort of background to Inigo Jones. I'm a big fan of Inigo Jones. He, For me, he's uh, I know him not only as an architect, but as also the great collaborator with Ben Johnson on the Johnsonian masks. So those huge sort of staged um, court entertainments that you see not only in the in the Jacobean court, so um, Anne of Denmark and and James the Sixth and First, but also in the Caroline court, so with Charles the First and Henrietta Maria. Um, ben Johnson put the words down, and Inigo Jones basically built the sort of lavish set. And I think in some ways that's how I interpret this staircase, um, I, because I think it is supposed to be a very public stage. Um, the house was built in 1616 and it was built for, as you said, Sam, for Anne of Denmark. And then when she passed away, it was given to her daughter-in-law, who was Henrietta Maria, who was the wife of Charles I. And she's a, a French princess. And it's really then that we have the stairs built, so these heavily wrought iron sort of balustrade designs and while it ha they have the name tulip stairs nowadays it's actually thought that instead that was a lily so the fleur-de-lis which is the sort of French symbol and one of the interesting things is that if we connect it to uh, Inigo Jones sort of very public sort of role as an architect that these were steps or stairs that people were meant to be seen on and what's interesting about them is that that there's there are very few resting points on them. And if you think about it, you know, women at the time would have worn very um, heavy, large dresses and would have needed when they were, you know, when they were uh, walking around court would have needed sort of place to to rest. But actually, I think these staircases 
this staircase was supposed to be a place where they could be seen in in all of their finery now while we don't know we don't have direct evidence of this i think it's probably one of the sort of things that are you know that it's one of the things that i think we could think about here very sort of intriguingly the other thing that i wanted to say about these and i don't know whether you came across this sam um is that you've said that they are they're really sort of ripe for instagram photos um before instagram there's a very famous photograph that was taken uh, by a retired Canadian reverend, a man called R.W. Hardy, which is known as the ghost photograph. He was visiting London with his wife. He visited the Queen's house and he wanted to capture the beauty of this staircase. So if any of you go to them, they are stunning. Uh, and if you just Google them up, they are just an extraordinary sight. And so what the Reverend does is he waits until there's nobody there. Um, he takes his photograph. And these are not digital photographs like today where you can see them instantly. He had to wait until he got home to Canada to have them, uh, the, them developed. And what he notes is that when, when they develop the film uh, of the camera, um, he notes that there are shrouded figures ascending the staircase, maybe two or three of them. And uh, there is no explanation. There's been no tampering. You may think that this is a sort of trick of the light, but perhaps he, what he pictured was ghosts visiting uh, the house and walking up and down the staircase. It could well be the ghosts of some of Henrietta Maria's uh, gentlewomen of the bedchamber. Hmm. What do you I think about think that? So. I, I, th I, I think not, but it, we could we could think in those directions, couldn't we? Oh, there absolutely. we are the, the 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 tulip stairs. They're absolutely stunning, aren't they? And the house really the house itself yeah. is extraordinary. If, if yeah. ever you go to Greenwich, you must check it out. Uh, we haven't talked about the the kind of sweeping stairs outside the Queen's house, which is another another thing we can talk about. Um, the, I had a bit of a panic at the beginning of this. Um, my research into this, trying to work out what was a staircase and what wasn't a staircase, hmm. and did you include um, stairs outside a building? And I think you initially, I thought no, it needs to be somewhere that takes you from the ground floor to the top floor inside a house. But then I changed my mind because I realised there was such wonderful history. So the um, Queen's House stairs, there are matching mirrored stairs, and they sweep down to the ground floor. So. Um Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. They are in themselves interesting. And there is a, a, a fascinating history of external staircases. Uh, it made me think of my many visits to the Forbidden City in Beijing. So uh, the Forbidden City, uh, a wonderful palace in the centre of Beijing, uh, built by the Emperor Yongle, 
So uh, Ming Emperor, uh, 1402, uh, first quarter of the 15th century. And he's, he's important because he moved the imperial capital to Beijing, where it had been elsewhere, it had been in Nanjing, moved it to Beijing. Um, and it's important in terms of staircases because you have these huge gates, these, these massive structures within, um, within the walls of the Forbidden City. Uh, and not only that, but there are particular areas which only the emperor was allowed to walk up. Um, the particular gate I'm thinking of is the Gate of Supreme Harmony, uh, which is uh, it's, it's sort of the second, I think possibly the second or the third gate you come to. So it's all to do with the inner workings of the court. And the emperor would hold his court sessions there. They'd discuss the state affairs with ministers, whatever it might be. Um, even if it was purely ceremonial, or it certainly became purely ceremonial. Um, but the point is, is that you have this incredible marble staircase, which uh, is restricted purely to the use of the emperor. So that piece of architecture there is very much to do with this issue of status, but it's kind of boiled down to the most, the most important person in the entire country and having his own staircase. So those marble staircases uh, were got me thinking about, about what stair, stairs were made of, as well as, as this issue of external stairs. And I've recently seen um, West Side Story, James. Have you seen that? Um, Spielberg's new film. I haven't seen it. My wife has seen it and said it's, it's quite good. Uh, but the ending is a bit disappointing. They miss out the kind of somewhere <laughs> out there song, uh, which well, I, I think is an absolute travesty. Um, I loved it. And you have the iconic scene of, um, well, you know, it's all based on Romeo and Juliet. And you have this iconic scene, which is not on the, the balcony, but it's done on a on an iron staircase um, in New It's 1950s New York. And you imagine those wonderful buildings in Harlem and the Bronx. Um, it's a very distinctive uh, red brick with, with really kind of gnarly iron staircases on the outside. Um, and those are are fascinating in their own right of a wonderful history um, because it's all to do with uh, fire safety as much as anything else. So you, they're not made of timber. Uh, timber is, is flammable. That means that if you've got an iron staircase, you're more likely to be able to get out of the building in, in an emergency. Um, and this didn't really happen until the 1840s when iron actually became manufacturable at a stage where it was it was less expensive than masonry. Um, they were made out of cast iron rather than wrought iron, again because it was less expensive. And there are all sorts of wonderful examples. Um, this comes back to my interest in industrial archaeology, James. So the, the artefacts of um, the, kind of the 19th century and on. And staircases, particularly iron staircase, is, is one um, interesting example. And it's quite difficult trying to find any from the 1840s, which is when we know that they were being used. In, in Britain, the the earliest example comes from 1848, and those are the iron stairs in Sir John Nash's wonderful Royal Pavilion at Brighton. Um, and they're the most kind of conspicuous. Uh, lots of examples in America, and um, it's quite interesting seeing where they are. Uh, John Haviland's Eastern State Penitentiary in Philadelphia, begun in 1829. A very interesting straight run of stairs there. They're visible in Americans' lighthouses. 
Um, and some of these exist, some of them don't. So Boston's uh, had the Long Island Head Lighthouse. Uh, that's no longer extant, but we do know that it had a cast iron spiral staircase of 1844. Um, some other wonderful examples as well. Uh, the um, From hotels, there's a, one known as the Government Street Hotel in Mobile, Alabama, uh, designed by James Dakin, constructed in 1836-7. That burned down in 1839, but um, there are all sorts of wonderful description of the eight cast iron stairs weighing 1,280 pounds that was in that. Uh, you also have the Pennsylvania Hospital for the Insane in Philadelphia, begun in 1836, completed in 1841. So um, a variety of really interesting industrial archaeology there, which uh, and some of which you can go and see and some of which you can find through drawings. But because it's not too distant in the past, the drawings you can see of them and sometimes the photographs really are very wonderful. And it brings to life um, a whole, a whole I think a fascinating era when suddenly architects can work with a material they've never been able to work with before. And that transforms the look of buildings and also the safety of buildings. Now, do you know what? As I was, as I was doing some research for this podcast, I actually realised that for the last year or so, I have in fact been involved in a historical project on a staircase. Hmm. Did you know that? I, I, I didn't know it, but it is quite funny. It happens a lot with histories of the unexpected, where you suddenly realise that you've been doing something for a year and a half, which is directly relevant to what you're going to talk about. Yes, exactly. And for, for many years now, I've been working with a wonderful house uh, very near here, Powderham Castle, very near Exeter. So it's just on the River X, just um, on the on the estuary. It's a beautiful castle, and we've been working with uh, Charlie Courtney, uh, the Earl of Devon, and uh, his wife uh, AJ, and we've in particular we've been looking at the changing fabric of the household in the 18th century, and this is a period when they have in the 1750s an amazing group of craftsmen who come in and just transform the the house. And they create one of the great sort of Rococo interiors of Britain. There are all sorts of ornate fixtures around it, including, importantly, a staircase hall. Now, what you should do is pause this now and Google Powderham Castle staircase. And it is extraordinary, uh, absolutely extraordinary. It's a beautiful... I mean, it's basically an entire hall was built and then a very elaborate staircase up with what is like um, a base. How would I describe the colour? It's sort of eggshell blue uh, paint on the walls and just the most beautiful high relief plasterwork, sort of Rococo twirls um, that was designed during this period. If any of you have seen the film Remains of the Day, there is a spot in it where... Uh, Anthony Hopkins comes out of his sort of butler's uh, cupboard, well, butler's sort of room, and comes out in a into a, a door that opens out into the staircase. And it was filmed at, at Powderham uh, many years ago when that film was made. But the research team that I've been helping to lead with my colleague, Professor Daniel Maudlin, uh, from the University of Plymouth, have uncovered the accounts that show exactly when the staircase was 
was built and how much it cost. And it's thought that the main stair and the plasterwork was was built around 1754 to 1756. So, and it was begun by a man called John Jenkins of Exeter. Um, possibly the son of, of Howell, uh, a man who worked on the library, and various other um, uh, assistants who helped him, uh, one William Brown and Stephen Coney. And this, it cost, the estimate is it cost quite the, the enormous sum of, and this is an enormous amount of money for this time um, in history, £355.14 shillings. Uh, nearly £140 more than their original estimate. So it's an extraordinary sort of thing. Um, and there's also the most intricate wooden uh, panelling uh, and wooden sort of staircase work that, that's done. Now, what I think this also connects to what I was saying earlier on about heritage and access and the later project that I've been working on this year, which has brought together colleagues in architecture and also in the uh, medical school um, particularly uh, a group uh, who work in end-of-life care gerontology and what they're really interested in is the way in which digital technologies can be used to augment the quality of life of uh, people who are you know getting on in life who are sort of particularly more confined to care homes and they have been working with various with a company in Oxford that has been developing digital technologies to enable people to go to either experience things through VR headsets um, or to experience sounds through uh, a sort of smart Alexa um, and they've teamed up with this company that has created something called a Rover Wizdish which Sam allows you to basically go for a social sociable walk with somebody who is not in the same place as you so for somebody who is in a care home you are able to go for a virtual walk on a on a, a sort of treadmill device perfectly safe with a, a loved one, a family member um, and there are they're developing several of these at the moment and the where, where we come in is that we are making accessible heritage sites for um, for people in in care homes. And so we're working with colleagues in architecture and what we've done is we have scanned this amazing staircase at Powderham Castle. And then recreated it in a sort of 3D digital um, format. And then that technology populates the VR that these people are experiencing in care homes. And I think this is absolutely game changing for the heritage industry. Because what it does is it suddenly makes accessible to people who either can't go upstairs or can't access uh, a particular heritage site they can see it from the comfort of their of their own home and so i think the connection there between stairs 
and accessibility, I think, is is really key. So it's one of the most uh, exciting projects that I've been involved in uh, in recent years. And we've just put in a, a large bid uh, to help develop this technology. And we're looking for other partners to sort of roll it out with. So if you are if you are if you work in a in a museum or a heritage site and you're interested in in being involved in this, do drop us a line. So there we are, Sam. Uh, I Fabulous. didn't realise that was going to go in that direction, but it. But I think stairs are a wonderful uh, subject in history. Hmm. Really good stuff, guys. I hope you enjoyed that. Um, and we've got more exciting things coming your way. And it looks like we're going to be doing the colour red or possibly arrows. Uh, and flea, and the did. flea. The hug? Have we done the hug? Oh, we have done hugs, yes. Oh, gosh, we've done so many things. I know. So that's what... we've, done, we've done over 300 episodes, Sam. It's hard Ooh. to keep track. <laughs> Uh, the colour red let's do that that sounds yes. good uh, we'll get that out for you for Valentine's Day guys uh, thank you all so much for listening do follow me on social media I'm at Dr Sam Willis and if you like and are interested in the history of the sea in all of its guises do please listen to my other podcast the Mariner's Mirror podcast and you can follow me on Twitter at James Daybell you can follow the podcast at Unexpected Pod you can friend us on Instagram and Facebook check out what we've been doing and our back catalogue at our website, historiesoftheunexpected.com. And should you wish to become a patron, head over to patreon.com. Anything that you can do to help support the way in which we are trying to change the way in which people view the past, it would be very much appreciated. But for now, take care, be well, and see you soon, guys. Bye. Cheerio. Bye-bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.